So last week, if you weren't here, we talked about life together. And we talked about how I feel like the biblical narrative points to life being worth doing together. In fact, that we were designed to do life together. And we, we were rooted in Genesis 2, verse 18, where we see where God sees Adam alone and says, man was not meant to be alone. And out of that comes the creation of Eve. And we talked about how, you know, I know that's a passage used at like wedding ceremonies, but I think it points to something actually even bigger and more crucial that, that we just weren't meant to do this life alone. And we talked about how, man, with time and transparency with one another and friendships that are rooted in truth, God can do some really cool things if we will pursue friendship with one another. Talked about being consistent, persistent, patience, all that stuff. Really good. It's on a podcast if you missed it and you want to hear it. This week, uh, if last week was about life together, this week is about God specifically together. What it looks like to really run after God together. So if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 7. If you remember where Genesis was, it's the exact opposite, all right? So if, at, if last week you turned to the very front of your Bibles, this week turn to the very back. Um, or just, you know, you're on the Bible app, so just search Revelation. Uh, chapter 7, we're going to read verses 9 through 12. And if, if last week we were looking at the beginning of time, this week we're going to get a glimpse at the end of time, all right? Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a really powerful image. I'm excited for what God has for us. Revelation 7, 9 through 12, if you're using one of our Bibles, uh, page 597. All right, verse nine. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one, oh, uh, John's having a vision of heaven right now. That's where we're at. We're in heaven here, okay? That's what he's seeing. Uh, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. So there's this moment when the kingdom of heaven is fully realized. You get this picture of too many people to ever possibly count, from too many places to ever possibly gather, but all we know is all of these people are together in perfection and in community are shouting out to the Lord and are declaring his praise. And so today I wanna wanna connect some dots here because at the beginning of time, We have Adam, who shouldn't be alone. Adam and Eve are created, walking in perfect unity with God. And at the end of time, we get this picture of these nations and tribes, nothing separating them. They're all brought together in their commonality of being humans created in the image of God, praising the name of God. And I feel like we have been overlooking a crucial component to life with God for so long which is doing life with God, praising the name of God, being in the presence of God together. So I want to pray for a little bit. I feel like today's conversation is simple in theory, but we've been so, doctor, uh, uh, we've been so trained uh, to be independent and individualized and compartmentalized that it's really hard to step into. So I, I want to pray against uh, this notion that we'll go, man, that was a good idea. have no idea what I'm going to do with it, but that's great. 
Like, I don't know how I'm gonna step into this, but that's awesome. And I wanna pray, God, will you just help us hear your words, hear your heart in this, and also, will you help us navigate the steps to take to see these realities come, come to fruition in our communities, all right? So I'm just gonna pray for a little bit, then we'll go for it. God, uh, thank you for being here. Lord, we love you. Um, thank you uh, for the words of that song. Um, God, all that I am, like all that I am with all creation, hanging on to every word you say, that everything you have spoken will not be shaken. God, I just pray, uh, seriously, I just, I just ask you in Jesus' name, will you give us just extra faith today? Just extra trust in your word. So often my experience can dictate if I believe the word or not. God, I pray that today your word would trump our experience. Would you help us to just lean into who you are and what you say today? We are all, whether we have one friend or a million, we all are, are hungry for a deeper and truer sense of community. Um, God, I pray, would you help us to, to take today's word and just step into what you have for us? What I feel in my heart, God, is that, that all of our friendships would just be anointed by your Holy Spirit, that, that you would be the most normal part of our conversations. I think you want that, but God, we've lived in a, in a way that has separated you a little bit, and so will you just help us to connect dots today? Yeah, to step into what I think is incredible. So in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, one more passage. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. People were meant, my notes. I'm gonna use my notes a lot today. Um, tired brain, people were meant. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna speak about one more passage. So we talked about Genesis chapter two and, and Revelation chapter seven. In Matthew 6, so we've seen the beginning of time in Genesis, the end of time in Revelation. We're kind of here, just hanging on in the middle, right? And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to say, hey, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. And this is where this really famous prayer that whether you've been in church or not, you've probably at least heard, right? Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Thy come. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. And everyone's doing the same words. Okay, that's good. We already got there. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you gotta ask yourself, would Jesus ask, you to pray, ask us to pray something that he didn't think the Father planned on answering, all right? Would he just ask us to pray something for no reason? Or would he pray something because he really wants to see it come to fruition? I believe Jesus asked us to pray stuff because he wants it to come to fruition. And one of the things Jesus says, hey, when you pray, pray like this. He says, may the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what I believe we've seen in Genesis chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 7 is God's perfect will on heaven, on earth as one, right? People together in perfect unity, worshiping their faces off in the presence of God. And I feel like in anticipation of the future being perfect, we've kind of accidentally set ourselves in neutral, especially in regards to doing community with God. And I want to speak about this, what it looks like to be in the middle before the beginning or after the beginning of time and before the end of time? What does it look like for us to live into these realities, to see heaven's ways make ways into our lives here and now? So somewhere along the way, Christianity, 
which is rooted in community, became very individualized, very independent, especially over here on the west side of the world. Whether you're in isolation, so the inner closet is really emphasized in walking with God, so it's you, it's my utmost for his highest, it's the scriptures, it's the, it's the, it's the private time for you. But I would say that even corporately we feel this. Right now, you feel the independent nature of a people gathered together. Isn't it interesting? You sit in chairs, and even though we do the weird meet and greet, which hopefully you walk in with intentionality because real friendships can be birthed out of that, but even then, you just feel how you're kind of here on your own. You may have brought someone with you, so you're with them, but everyone else, good to see you, but that's kind of the end of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't always feel like we're really in this together, as fun as that sounds. I would say on the Western side of things, life with God is fairly independent, and I think it makes us miss out on something that God really has for us if we'll invite the Holy Spirit to just infuse our everyday friendships, right? So this happened for me. This like excitement I feel, the belief in this that I feel started kind of three years ago. I had heard people talk about the beauty of community rooted in the Holy Spirit. But for me, like uh, Christian friends for me were just people that believed kind of what I believed and that we played volleyball on the weekends. Like that's what Christian community was to me. Does anybody relate to that? Like, honestly, you all believe in Jesus? Cool, let's play video games until 3 a.m. and drink monster energy drinks. No one else? Okay, I didn't do that either. I did. I love monster. You guys know my energy drink history. Anyway, I talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, but for me, Christian community was just, oh, we all believe the same thing, so let's go have fun and do what everyone else is doing, minus like drugs and alcohol and sex, like as best as we can, right? It's like, that's kind of what Christian community was. Does anyone relate to that? It's like, that's kind of what it was. Like, oh, we believe in Jesus, great. We'll talk about that every Sunday. Maybe we'll do a small group when we're really feeling spiritual. But other than that, let's just do fun things and never talk about it, right? That's kind of the picture. And I, this changed for me three years ago when, I, when God really put it on my heart. I had this group of friends that I loved so much, the funniest, most adventurous, exciting group of people. Like, I loved them, and they loved God. And I feel like the Lord just put it on my heart. What if in 10 years, you look back on all of these creative, beautiful, fun, spontaneous, athletic, all these like, amazing things that I love about them, love hanging with them, doing things with them. What if you look back in 10 years and go, man, that was so fun. We just had good times. We never really talked about the Lord. All of us believed in him collectively, but man, what a fun time. And I feel like God was saying, hey, there is more, there is more, more, more to tap into when a people all believe in my name and you are gathered together. There is more to be had, right? And so I began just like praying and thinking for like, this is like a five month thing. I was just like praying maybe once or twice a week about God, do you want me to do something with this like thought you're giving me? And I remember I sent a video message to 14 different people and said, yo, God has put this on my heart. I don't wanna look back in 10 years and go, hey, we wasted it, you know? I wanna look back and go, we went after God together. God is saying like he wants my heart, soul, and mind. I feel like that's kind of important. Let's do it together. I said, I would love to start a house church with you. And over time, God showed me like, man, if with intentionality, I'm with really going for it with a group of people, over time, God really begins to cultivate some cool things. And so three years later, I'm no longer leading this house church. One of my friends that, that helped start it with me is still leading it. And uh, he told me about this girl that's uh, from the West Coast who's from a different religion who like wrote 
this house church a letter about how God is like blessing their life, her life tremendously through this group of people. She doesn't know me. I've never seen her before. I don't know who this is. I'll probably never meet her. But all I know is that God has blessed her life abundantly. I have a friend named Douglas here. I was able to baptize like a year ago, came to leave in God when I met him. He was suicidal, had to get talked down off of a parking garage, like in his lowest point, didn't believe in God. He starts coming around this community and he comes to Jesus. I'm not trying to paint too epic a picture. What I'm telling you is, when God started to show me there was more at the table with these people that believe in Jesus, he was not lying to me. He like proved himself. And I'm here like excited to tell you that step one is gonna be awkward. It's gonna be weird. You're gonna have to establish some things. But step like 270, you're gonna start seeing some light and it's gonna get good. So that's what I wanna talk about a little bit. It's gonna be probably a little bit of a tangent because I don't really know what's going on. Um, all right, so uh, I wanna trace some things in the Bible uh, in Acts, okay? These are our like Christian forefathers, okay? These are the ones that started it all. I wanna read a few passages just so we're aware kind of of where we come from, the birth of the church. This is Acts 2. Are you guys with me still? Are you feeling, I mean, I hope you're feeling this. This is so big right here. I love this epic. Acts 2, 42, it says, this is the people of God that have come to believe in God. And these are Christians of like a couple years. These are not, we read this and go, well, of course they did this. They're in the Bible. This is how it works in the Bible. Everyone just kind of gets it. No, they are brand new Christians, full of the Holy Spirit, and something happens, all right? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You get this picture of a community that is just living out daily into the ways and the words of God, praising the Lord together, eating meals, breaking bread, like just doing life with God. I wanna to turn to Acts 4, verse 23. If you're there, it's great. If you're not, don't stress it. This is right after Peter and John are released. Uh, is it Peter and John? It is Peter and John, right? It's not James. It's Peter and John. Yeah, it's Peter and John. All right. Peter and John are released from prison. They've been preaching the gospel. Healings are taking place. Things are going ham. And people, the, the religious elite, don't like really what they're doing, what this so-called God is up to. They threaten to beat them, and then they release, they threaten to kill them, and then release the disciples. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant. I'm not gonna keep reading. After Peter and John are beaten and threatened to be murdered, they come to their community of people and the instinct is to pray and praise God. They have this like godly instinct that I think is remarkable. I'm gonna skip down to verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything 
in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. The number of those that believed were of one soul, uh, one heart and one mind. Acts chapter five, verses 12 through 16. I wanted to overwhelm us with examples, all right? This is a quantity issue. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. I think it's how you say that. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. That's epic. If your shadow starts healing people, things are going down. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. It says, more than ever were added to the family of God. You don't get this sense on Sunday, but this is like an everyday thing. People being impacted by gospel living together. Like there's just very clearly like power when the people of God pursue the ways of God in daily life. Uh, I wanna talk about, you know, why isn't this a common thing here? So I just wanna address some reasons why this may not feel normal. Even as I read all of this, you're like, I have no, I have this, not the slightest of clues how this even applies to my life, how I can even make it make sense. I think there's a few reasons for that. There's more reasons to it than this, but I got engaged this week and have a lot of time to like think about you know, a lot. But anyway, I think this is powerful. I think God put it on my heart. One, we live in a culture that values individuality, right? We have quotes like, I don't discuss religion. We're taught, whether in a Christian setting or not, that certain things just aren't talk about, talked about in like normal situations. There's just things that are off limits we just don't get into. However, this is not taught in scripture. James 5.16 says, confess sins to one another that you may be healed, all right? James 5.16 is gonna go, hey, I'm not even asking you just to be kind of vulnerable. The things that you're ashamed of and embarrassed by, you need to tell somebody that. You need to find a believer and like confide in them. So we live in a culture that's independent and individual that goes, hey, like I'm a spiritual person, but like I ain't trying to like go there with you. But James would go, if you wanna do life with God, like confess with one another. Like the last thing you'd wanna tell somebody, say it. That's the best place to do it, is in the family of God. Don't even keep that a secret. I also think in our culture, we have a tendency to compartmentalize. Everything has its own box, including religion. There's just certain people that we talk about certain things with, and it's kind of nice that way. We talk about work things, and we don't just do this with things of faith. We do this with everything. There's those certain people at work that you talk about the same thing every time, right? Did you see the show last night? This is us. It's amazing. I don't know. How did he die? We got to figure that out. Like, man, wow. Or how's your fantasy football team doing? Yeah, I just made this trade. And that's just what you do, right? You have your weekend people, you talk about your weekend things. You have your Sunday people, you talk about your Sunday things. We have this tendency to compartmentalize our lives in ways that I don't believe God has for us. I think he wants to shatter that paradigm. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always, not sometimes, all the time. Jesus' promise is with us and he is with us in every detail. Jesus did not promise the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 16, so our Sundays would be epic, right? He promised the Holy Spirit so our lives would be full of the presence of God, that it would inform everything we do 
with everyone we do it with. I think that this takes intentionality, and intentionality takes courage. Therefore, this doesn't happen as often. Just the simple fact that it's kind of weird and hard to talk about God in a natural way in this culture, even in Christian culture, makes it hard. So just the simple fact that it's challenging makes it easy to not do, right? It is much easier for me to go, Scott, what up? How was your weekend? Then to go, Scott, have you heard God from God recently? What's God putting on your heart? Unless I have a close friendship, that's a weird thing to try and establish early on. And because of that, it kind of keeps us from the first step in the first place. Se- uh, not second, I almost said secondly, I think like fifthly or sixthly, uh, is ignorance. I think some of us just don't know there is so much available. Like, there is so much to be had with people that love God that you see on a normal basis. In the Bible Belt, it's kind of normal to know people that know God, but we find our commonality in everything else. It's like, at, on a base level, we go, okay, you're Christian, so like, we can hang. I, I feel like that's the right thing to do. But we really get together about like sports or shows or hobbies, whatever else. I think we're ignorant sometimes to what is available when you know someone that knows God. That is a miracle of God. That is spectacular. I think God has more, but we can be ignorant to that. But how do we even change this, all right? How do we change this at all? We need to understand a few things, all right? One, there is more. I kind of just covered that. If you think the Christian life is sitting in small groups and having brief conversations about Scripture for an hour or doing church on Sunday, I promise you, Christian or non-Christian, there is way more to the Christian life. The Spirit of God is active and alive and has more. I think we need to embrace and be aware of where we come from. The history of Christianity is built on the backs of people sharing authentic spiritual lives in everyday life. That is where we come from. The people that first started this did it together. I think we need to understand, and this is a big one, that normal is a created thing. We make normal, right? Normal is not made for us, aside from maybe the imprint that I believe God puts on all of our hearts. It's like the hunger for community. I think that's normal because God made it that way. But a lot of things in our life are normal because we created that normal, right? So a junior in college, college is normal. Nothing's unfamiliar anymore. If you've been at Belmont or Vanderbilt or Lipscomb or TSU or wherever else for three years, you're like, I get this. This is my normal life. If you're a freshman, nothing is normal. Conversations are hard right now. Palms are sweaty as you walk into class the first time and go, please God, if my teacher, if my professor says anything to me, help me to sound somewhat intellectually savvy right now, right? It's like scary territory. You're on a bunch of college students. There's nothing normal. Why does college get normal? because you keep showing up to the classes, the same campus, and slowly but surely, right? Marriage, shout out marriage. Marriage is normal in the sense that it's always happening, but marriage is not normal. What gets normal is that you live in the same place day after day after day after day. Shout out my young married couples, and then it becomes normal, right? But I think you guys could attest. It might have felt nice to live together, but it probably didn't feel normal at first. You realize my calendar doesn't match yours, this is pretty annoying. Love you, hate it, uh, you know? But slowly, it became normal. You slowly get in sync. I want us to realize 
that nothing about our things happens instantaneously. These normal things don't become normal very quickly, but yet with the spiritual life, for some reason, we put this weird expectation on having like a spiritual, spirit-driven culture in our friendships. And if it doesn't feel good right off the bat, it is frankly never going to happen. Just wasn't meant to be. I don't know why this is. We love organic things. We love gluten-free friendships. I don't know. That didn't make any sense. (laughs) Stupid joke sounded good at first. Anyway, so the same is true for cultivating a friendship culture that digs into spiritual life in everyday scenario. This does not happen instantaneously, but it is absolutely available and can be the most normal thing in your friendships. And God intends, he intends for him to infiltrate and be every part of your friendships. And I'm promising you on the other side of a three-year journey, it is so, so beautiful. Number four, awkward is not the opposite of authentic. Okay? I think this is something we all feel, and I've never thought to, all right? You snapped. I wanted to snap, do a little jig. I can't dance. It's too bad. We're all here. Awkward is, see, this is an example. I was being authentic, and it was awkward, right? I think some of us really struggle to embrace this. We hate the awkward first step, and since it's awkward, we don't feel like we're being normal or, or authentic. So bringing up Jesus Hey, you heard something from God? Hey, I've been noticing you're struggling about this. Like, can I help you? Can I pray for you? Since that doesn't feel normal, um, we kind of just stray away from it. You know, I was thinking about a very simple image. I've been shooting basketball with my left hand for my whole life. So when you give me a basketball and I shoot with my left hand, it makes perfect sense. And the swoosh of the net is music to my ears every time I shoot it. But if I try to shoot it with my right hand, it is very awkward. Why? Because I've been shooting with my left hand all of the time, right? It's a thing I've been doing over and over again. But I bet if I spent my next 10 years shooting with my right hand only every single day, I bet I'd get pretty good. Not very good, but pretty good, right? Simplest example, everyone goes, no kidding. For some reason, we do not embrace this in the spiritual life. Because things are weird, because we have no idea, no clue what the first step would be in cultivating like a spirit-driven like friendship, it's awkward, it's weird. We just don't know how to keep coming at it. Uh, I wish we would embrace this on a spiritual level, but we place an unreasonable expectation on creating a spiritual normal. It might help to create a space where the expectation is spiritual conversation early on. So with my group of friends, I realized it's just not normal for us to talk about God like he's real, like he's an everyday part of my life. So, hey, every week at this time, we're gonna be in a house church, right? That's why Ethos does house churches. It's like, we're gonna create this expectation that, hey, when you show up here, you don't have to work in talking about the Lord and what's really breaking your heart. You can expect it. And when there's an expectation on it, it's kind of helpful. So if you're going, how do I even do this? House church is a great idea. It's a great place to start experimenting, but please know that that place, that compartmentalized hour and a half to talk about God, to invite the Holy Spirit into relationships is not intended to stay there. It's supposed to be a part of everyday life. Number five, this will not happen by accident. Deep spiritual relationships are cultivated over time with intentionality, and you might have to be the first one to go for it. Just real talk you might have to be the first person to go for this. I feel like that was my experience. I don't feel like very often do I come here and say my life is an example of something, but I feel like God was putting it on my heart this week. Hey, testify to what you've seen. Testify to the the, the times where you were a first goer and it was awkward 
and you kept going. And then testify to three years later, the fruit, the miracles, the beauty of what you've seen because you just kept trying, you kept listening to my voice. And this is a place where I would stand firm. As you are the first goer, as you seek to make God a normal part of your friendships, he will show up and he will bless the socks off of your friends and they will come to see God. This will come with boldness and courage and that comes with prayer and just trying. Expectations will impact your experience here. So as we set different expectations, people will become more comfortable with experiencing God with you. Um, but expectations are really important. So a couple of things, uh, and I know this, is, this feels like such a tangent. I'm sorry if it feels like that to you. Um, but a couple of things that I do think you can lean into with others that will really help this. Um, lean into the power of scripture together. Lean into the power of prayer together and talk about those things. If you're reading scripture and something stuck out to you, bring that up to somebody. Your closest friends, hey, I was reading this, I feel like God said this to me. Hey, I was praying, I feel like God was saying this. How's your prayer life? What have you been praying about lately? Confession is such a healthy thing in spiritual friendship. Man, this is what's breaking my heart right now. This is where I'm angry. This is where my heart is dark. I've been sinful. Cody back there, my guy, like we have a healthy place of confession. Like what is going down? Where is my heart? And at first when we started, I feel like it was more like surface level stuff, like big things that were really important. But as we got deeper, we're like, we're, we're exposing pride. We're exposing like where we lack trust. We're getting into the real things. It's just been such a blessing. That comes with time. Confession's a big deal. Learning how to celebrate what you're seeing God do is a great way to cultivate this in friendships. If God does something, if you see him, share that with your people. Let them know. As you proclaim the realness of God, God becomes more real to them. It's a powerful thing. Here's some helpful questions you can ask your friends every, every so often or maybe, maybe every week, maybe more than that. Good questions to ask are, hey, what's God been saying to you in your life? What have you heard God saying recently? If you can create that exercise, even if the answer is I've been hearing nothing, let's talk about that. What do you mean? Is it hard to trust in God right now? Hey, what are you doing to hear the voice of God? The worst of answers can help you here, right? They can give you insight. Um, that's a good question to be asking people. Are you hearing God? How can I pray for you right now? And then pray for them. And when you pray for your friends, take some time to listen. God, what do you want to say to me right now? Do you have any words or scriptures? Sometimes it'll be silent and you'll just get to pray for your friend because you love them. And sometimes I promise you, God will give you pictures, he will give you scriptures, he will give you words, he will give you compassion and empathy for your friends. It's a powerful thing. I'm not saying this is easy. I am saying this is worth it. I do believe this is something we're striving for. And if in the middle of all this, what I feel like is somewhat of an external process, in between an external process and an actual sermon, right? In the middle of all this, if you don't hear anything, please hear me saying, give it a try. Like give praying with your friends a try. Give asking your friends, hey, what have you heard from God this week? A try. And just like last week, I would encourage consistency, persistence, and patience with this. Keep showing up. Keep coming up to bat. I believe God will bless your socks off. So as we, I don't know what that saying means, but you'll get blessed so hard that your socks will leave your feet. Um, as we go to communion, I wanna invite you to reflect on a question. Just think about this. If you wanna talk together, you can circle up chairs. If you wanna think about this on your own, you can do that. What specific relationships can I partner with Holy Spirit in? What specific relationships can I partner with Holy Spirit in? Are there friendships around you right now that you can invite the living, the active 
Holy Spirit to have a say in. When we invite, I just, I can testify to this, when we invite the Holy Spirit in prayer to be a part of our most normal of friendships, our intimacy with God, our friendship with one another, just grows exponentially. So over communion, I just ask you to pray, God, is there a place where you're inviting me to invite your presence into these friendships? Will you show me that? And will you help me identify a first step? All right. Um, Hey, I love you guys. It's like a real talk day. I don't know how this felt. If you have any questions or want clarity, come holler at me. I'll be at the respond banner. We'll have a few others back there. If you need prayer over this, um, please come holler at us. Um, Yeah, love you. I'm gonna pray that we can get communion. Uh, God, thank you, God. I know that... um, that this is truth, but Lord, I also know that there's just a lot of moving parts in this conversation. So I pray, God, that uh, would you help us to just embrace it? And uh, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate? Where are you inviting us to invite you into our friendships? I pray that for the next five minutes, would you give us ideas? Would you give us uh, pathways? Would you give us spontaneity with our friends to like just pursue your spirit together? Help us to trust that there is more, that there is more in your presence. There is more available in our friendships, God. Would you help us do that, Jesus? Give us faith in Jesus' name, amen.